you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, here's an idea for you. How would you like to go to a come-as-you-will-be party? Come-as-you-will-be. Can you envision that? What do you want to be five years from now? Hey, we may have a party. You know, I think that's a... I think I'm going to put together an idea on that, to have a party. A come-as-you-will-be party. I want to share with you an example of that here in a little bit. Well, here's some questions we're going to be looking at today. They're going to include, Dan, should I expect a full-time job at the end of the 48 days process? Now, we've got a bunch of people right now that are going through this 48 days process. We started on May 18th. We're going to end on Independence Day, July 4th. That ends it. And yeah, you can expect a full-time job at the end of that process if you actually go through the steps and do them. Certainly, no need to wait. No need to wait and see what the economy is doing. Nope. You can have a job at the end of the 48 days if you want it. And someone says, I'm not sure there is any work that I would enjoy doing. Well, maybe we need to look at the definition of work. By definition, I guess, if you really enjoy it, it may not feel like work. But if there's nothing that you enjoy doing, yeah, that's a problem. Someone says, Dan, can I make money as a caffeine coach? Yeah, absolutely. Dan, I find it very frustrating not being able to make decisive decisions. What do you do if your personality gets in the way of you accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish? Well, we'll look at that. Here's our quotation for the day. It comes from Jonathan Winters, the old comedian who says, if your ship doesn't come in, swim out to meet it. Now, in the book, The Success Principles, Jack Canfield talks about a party that he went to Back in 1986, so a long time ago, the party was given by the Inside Edge, and he says it deeply impacted the lives of all of us who attended. It was a come-as-you-will-be in 1991 party. So it was, what are you going to be five years from now? Held on the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. So they had to act as if the life they wanted to live was already true. Now, they showed up. They had... They had hired like 25 people to be there to cheer you and ask for autographs and take pictures like the paparazzi and all that. So Jack, Jack Kenfield, of course, who was co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, but also wrote then books like The Success Principles and a whole lot of others. He went as a best-selling author with several reviews. You know, of course, this was all phony, but was it or was it not? But he went with reviews of his best-selling book. That he was going to do. There was a man who wanted to retire and spend his life as a sculptor. And he showed up in the sculptor's apron, had a hammer and chisel, safety goggles, pictures of the sculptures he had made. Uh, another gentleman wanted to be a successful stock trader. He spent the entire evening answering his cell phone, talking animatedly, and then commanding, buy 5,000 shares, sell 10,000 shares. He had actually hired someone to call him every 15 minutes during the party just to carry off his act as if. The movie producer arrived in a tuxedo, talking about the movies that he had produced. His wife, who was just starting on a writing career, had yet to sell any book, arrived carrying mock-ups of three books that she had written. 
Now, here, here's the deal. That, that wife actually is the author, Susan Jeffers, who did go on from that evening to publish 17 successful books, including things like Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I'm familiar with a lot of her works. Uh, Jack Canfield, who was telling the story, he certainly went on to write, compile, and edit over 80 books, including 11 that went on to be number one New York Times bestsellers. But what do you think about that? You know, the idea of the party worked. Those that who attended the party, they went on to realize those dreams they acted out that night and much more. You know, I just got to thinking about that. I just ran across that and looking for a quotation earlier this morning, but I, I got to thinking about that. I think that's a marvelous idea. Let me have my mastermind show up for one of our events as a come as you will be. You know, we talk a lot about come as you are, you know, just show up in your nightgown or whatever, but come as you will be. Could you act out the part of the life that you want to be living five years from now? I think that's a delightful idea. I'd love to hear your, your ideas about how, how we could make that a reality. But I think that's something we could actually pull off to have a come-as-you-will-be party. You know, I, I think back to, golly, back in high school, I was president of an association. I don't know, anyway, at our prom, I arrived by limo, you know, with my date. And I think I got a glimpse of the kind of life that I wanted to live with some of those early experiences and I truly believe, you know, I, I tell the story often about Jim Carrey, who one night when he was broke living out of his car, he went up on top of a hill looking over Los Angeles and he wrote himself a check for $10 million, wrote it to himself for services rendered, put it in his wallet. Well, in less than five years from that time, he was receiving $20 million per movie. And believe me, at the time when he wrote the check, nobody knew him. He was just starting out in his little comedy act. Well, that's the way it starts. Come as you will be. Well, let me go on to some of the success stories today. We've got a whole lot of them to share with you. Tom McGreevy started a discussion, and he's sharing about a cake decorating themed cruise. Now, I know Tom and his wife, Shauna, she does the most. You can look up McGreevy cakes. Her cakes look like pieces of art. You would swear they're not just dough and frosting. I don't know how she does them. She's a, a true artist. But they're doing a cake decorating themed cruise in 2016. Now, I talked to Shauna's brother-in-law yesterday, and he said it's almost already filled up. Uh, it's amazing, these theme cruises, how much fun you can have. But you, if you go to crazycakecruise.com, you can see all the details there. Tom and Shauna are heading that up with a couple other cake-baking ladies. Sounds like it's going to be a whole lot of fun. This is a note from Mickey Vandaloo, who's in our Coaching Mastery program. She says, I just wanted to take a minute to tell you all about a great gift idea for that special someone in your life. My husband and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary in April of this year. I was struggling to get something for the man who has everything. I heard about Gifty Song from Dan on his 40 Days podcast. That's the song that we do right at the end. You know, stuck in the J-O-B. Anyway, she said, I decided to have a song written for Dave, her husband. It turned out beautifully. Process is very simple and the cost reasonable. Please give a shout out to Todd and Emily Marriott. They are 48 Days members. 
I know they're uh, looking forward to making a lot of friends in this community. Anyway, you can check them out at giftysong.com. But another shout out for Todd and Emily, who did the song that we play at the end of every podcast. And there's a whole lot of people. Callie Cliff Ravenscraft has had them do a song for his podcast now. I know that uh, Mike Skiff had a song done for, I think, his wife. Uh, a couple of people had songs done when they had people graduating in their family. So a lot of fun things. Now, here's a note from Greg Stamen. You heard me mention him last week, probably. He says, I heard, I've been listening to 48 Days Podcast for several months. And then recently I heard Dan talking about the 48days.net community. So I decided to sign up. I received several emails stating that I was the 15,000th member. And therefore I would be expecting a surprise. Sure enough, Dan Miller himself called me to congratulate me, ask me about my background and future plans. And he goes on, but just a, just a cool note from Greg about that. We have sent him out the deluxe entrepreneur startup package, all the components in that, just to welcome him in as the 15,000 member. Yep. Not a joke. He really was. And it's just fun to kind of hit that benchmark. And uh, certainly I'm, I'm grateful for all the activity that I see in that 48days.net community. No cost to be part of that. The cost is your investment of time and energy. You get out of it what you put into it. So if those who are really involved are seeing dramatic results and raising their own level of success. Stephen Rager says, I'm unhappy at my job. I took your disc profile. I started a home inspection business with the help of a local score mentor. And in the process of getting started, I did this by taking massive action after defining my goals. Thank you for your podcast and book recommendations. Think and Grow Rich has been a great resource. I wish I knew about it five years ago. You know, it's funny how we, we can look back five years ago and look at the life we were living then, the kind of things we were thinking then, the people we were around, the books we were reading. Those are the things that determine where we are today. So you can do the same thing in looking forward. Five years ahead, wow. The books you read, the people you hang around, the kind of action you take, those are, in fact, what is determining what your life is going to look like five years from now. Now, there's a bunch of things happening. Uh, Jen McDonough, our, my eyes and ears in the 48days.net community, has given me some updates on things happening there. Jesse Thomas started uh, or put a blog up about how you create a logo, the 10 or the 12 things that ought to be true in creating a really good logo. I was driving down the road the other day, and I pulled up beside a truck that had perhaps, I, I wish I could have grabbed my phone. I didn't want to do it while I was driving in busy traffic, but it was probably the worst logo I've ever seen. I mean, some logos you see are really poorly done and they create a poor image of that brand, that company. It's not that difficult in these days to get a great logo, but um, Steve points out the kind of things that need to be done to get a really, or Jesse Thomas rather, points out the things that need to be done to really have a great logo. You can find that blog in there in the 48days.net community. Robbie says, I've been following you on Facebook and via your website for about three years now. I recently made a huge career choice to leave the vocational church music ministry job of 25 plus years and enter into my own business. I've tiptoed in the business world for 15 plus years, find that my DNA is geared for the excitement, the adrenaline rush and challenge of business. I took a job with a local regional bank as a financial services associate. My dream is to be self-employed, produce music and live somewhere near Nashville. I have three personal life coaches who read me quite well and keep me accountable to my dreams. Thanks for your inspiration and motivation. Well, thanks for your note, Robbie. Delighted to hear how you're moving forward aggressively toward 
the dream life that you've envisioned. Now, this comes from Jeff and Deb Spencer. Jeff and Deb Spencer came to one of our events a couple of years ago. They made a dramatic change. They live out of an RV uh, and are traveling around. And I shot them a note last week when I had a note from a young couple who have just sold their home and they're going to be traveling with a truck and an Airstream. And they talked about having, you know, having us advertise on the side of their Airstream. But I shot it to Jed, Jeff and Deb. I knew they'd enjoy it because they just recently got a brand new motorhome that they're traveling in. And uh, Jeff says, yeah, great to see more working families jumping in their RVs and working on the road. We've met some great younger groups loving the nomadic lifestyle that RVing provides. Many are young and are working from the road. We just joined a fun group that started two months ago called Xcapers. Now that's spelled X-S-C-A-P-E-R-S. Um, anyway, it's a group of, of younger working RVers. Most are very independent, yet connected RVers, connected through Wi-Fi. We met two months ago in Tucson, and our next convergence will be in October at the Albuquerque Balloon Festival. And you can learn about that at xscapers.com. We're also seeing some folks jumping into this way of life without a good plan to provide income, or they're running away from life pressure points, or they are almost homeless. There's a gypsyish thought about having wheels and not a foundation foundation to hold you back. While some figure it out, I prefer when I see someone with a vision or clear goal and plan to run toward. During Coaching with Excellence, Jeff says you challenged us to come up with 20 ways to generate income. You challenged us to think of and, not or. During Coaching with Excellence, you mentioned coaches making over $100,000. Before the seminar, Deb and I had set a goal to make $40,000 to fund our fund. Thanks for raising our bar. And now two years later, we're at three times our goal. We are now living our dream and are looking forward to coaching others how to get one step closer to success. We're selfishly living our dream and welcome opportunities to share with others to help them move one step closer to success. Muy amable, he says, which means thanks with deep gratitude. And their website is Rolling Recess. I love that term, Rolling Recess. So they feel like they're on vacation, but they're making over $100,000 a year while they're traveling around. They document all the cool places they go, the things they do, having fun, but also making a living. And incidentally, um, um, Jeff is a a sales rep for one of the companies that provides products to RVers and others. When they were in, in town here recently, he had a meeting with Tractor Supply Company. So, you know, he has very profitable business. But it's not like he's slammed with that, you know, on the phone, you know, 80 hours a week. No, they're traveling, going to different places. They go to conferences, conventions, calling his sales accounts, living out on our RV. That was their dream, and they're living it out, but they found a way to make it work. That's the way to do it, folks. Exactly like that. Well, there we go. You know the, you know the gig here. We are the champions. Hey, if you got a story you want to get yourself included into the list of success stories, I'd love to include you in that. Just go to the 48days.com site. Click on the Ask Dan tab. That's the easiest way to put in your story there. Or you can just shoot an email to me directly at 48days.com. Well, let me go on to some of the stories here. Some of the stories we get coming up, some of the questions. This comes from Ben. He says, I'm a fairly fresh college graduate, faithfully working through your refreshing 48 days program, but I'm wondering whether or not I should expect a full-time job at the end of these 48 days. 
or whether I might need to find an extra part-time job to meet my student loan obligations. I realize that there are no guarantees, but I truly feel like I'm doing the things I should be doing. I took your personality profile, working through your book, etc. I'm wondering what I can reasonably expect at the end of these 48 days, given that I don't have all that much real-world experience. Okay, well, Ben, you really can expect a full-time job. I mean, that's the way the program's set out. If you go through the, the steps laid out in the 48 days, every day step for 48 days, absolutely you can expect a full-time job. If, in fact, that's your goal. Now, I sense a little bit of hesitation here, but I'm not sure if it's a hesitation or if it's a lack of belief. Now, if it's, if it's hesitation because you think you may want to do some other things, hey, that's cool. Now, you mentioned that you get some student loan debts looking over your shoulder. Now, that's a bummer. And yeah, knock those out. Get rid of those so you can don't have those in your house any longer than necessary. I mean, knock those out of the way. When one of my goals is to help people figure out how to get anywhere they want to be, including whatever kind of academic background they need without incurring student loan debt. I just can't imagine the kind of burden that a lot of kids are carrying with that. Not only kids, you know, they're actually people who are having their social security checks garnished to repay student loan debts. I mean, how sad is that? Can you imagine being 65 years old and you're getting a $1,500 a month social security check just to eke out a living, try to keep the lights on and half of that's being taken to repay student loan debts that you never repaid. But I mean, those student loan debts don't go away. They're there forever. It's a government-backed program. Unfortunately, that's another story. But anyway, they don't go away. You can file bankruptcy four times and they don't go away. I mean, how sad would that be to get to the point where you think you're going to be collecting Social Security checks? I ran into that, frankly, with my mother-in-law. She kept going to school because she thought it was a fun thing to do. She kept signing her name to those ridiculous loans, not thinking about it, and they just chased her down. I finally did a, a compromise. I did an offer and compromise to, to clear out her loans when she was 71 years old to try to erase the loans that she had incurred. And we did a compromise on them, but it still cost thousands of dollars to clear that out. It just broke my heart to have to do that, but they're not going to go away. Well, this comes from Christopher, says, Dan, I've been trying to surround myself with positive input as much as possible through books, CDs, and podcasts. In addition, I've hired a coach, I'm st yet I'm still at a loss with figuring out how to find work that I would enjoy doing. Now, listen to how Chris lays this out. I've been in sales for my entire career. I've really enjoyed a good income for the last 11 years. Recently, though, I realized that the financial rewards of my current position are no longer worth the sacrifices involved in attaining those. However, due to my level of income, I'm having a difficult time looking at job offers without placing my current financial responsibilities at the forefront of the decision-making process. In addition, I have a wife and young kids that I'm responsible for. This leads me down the same financial-driven road I've always traveled when choosing a career. It really makes it difficult to select or even identify work I would truly enjoy. To be honest, I'm not sure there's any work that I would enjoy doing. I've been trying my best to discover my strengths, talents, and things I might be good at. 
Unfortunately, I've come up with very little. I just don't feel like I have any real talents that are marketable. Sadly, it looks like I'm stuck and I find myself searching for more sales-related positions. This is basically where I was before beginning the coaching discovery process. Sales is far from what I would consider enjoyable. In fact, many of the aspects about sales are the opposite of my strengths that were recently presented to me in the coaching personality profile test results. I guess I've just adapted along the way, which makes it all the more difficult to figure out what to do next. You have any suggestions for me, Christopher? Yes, I do. Oh my gosh. You laid out a whole lot of things in here about your past, about where you are, about what you think your options are. Number one in my recommendations for you, don't think about income first. You talk about, you feel like you're kind of trapped because you're used to making a certain level of income now you kind of have to look at that as the, at the forefront before you even consider what the job would be. No, don't do that. Even if it seems impractical or realistic, I don't care if you enjoy growing dandelions, you know, or gigging frogs. Let's start with what you enjoy most. What you could do with absolute passion and excellence and work from that. Now, another thing that I'm going to want you to do is reframe how you're thinking about selling. You describe, you know, selling is not really a fit for you. You really dislike selling. No, you're going to be selling. But no matter what you do, you cannot be successful. You can't get paid on Friday, a week from now, unless you're selling something. I don't care what kind of a position you're in. You are selling yourself. You're selling the service, the product of the company, or else nobody is going to want you on their team. You are selling, but just reframe how you're thinking about that. Selling in its highest and purest form is simply sharing enthusiasm. So if you go to a wonderful movie, you tell 20 people about that, that's selling. That's the purest form of selling. So you want something that you can be involved in where you really do believe in it, where you think that your neighbors and your first cousin are going to be at a loss if they don't have it. That's the kind of product you want to be representing. Now, the thing is, it doesn't really feel like work if you truly enjoy it. And somebody asked me recently, you know, here's another thing. I, I saw a post just this week from Mark Zuckerberg, you know, from Facebook. Somebody asked him how many hours a week he works. He said, well, if you really count the hours when I'm, you know, in the office and meeting with people and all that, it's probably 50 or 60 hours. But if you count the time when I'm really thinking about business, you know, the vision that I have for that, ways we can grow, exciting conversations that I'm having with other people. He said, it's essentially my whole life. So does that mean that he's working all the time? I would venture to guess that if you ask Mark, you know, if he feels like he's slaving away, you know, at the salt mills every day, he'd say, well, heavens, no, he's, just, he's not working. He's just doing what he enjoys. I mean, somebody asked me about that recently. I said, you know, I have a hard time figuring out how many hours a week I work because so much of, so much of what I do probably doesn't look like work to somebody on the outside. It probably, do, and it doesn't feel like work to me. I mean, if I'm sitting out here on a patio outside my office, you know, listening to the birds, watching the deer walk around, hearing the waterfall, and I'm reading the newest issue of Success Magazine, am I working or am I playing? Well, I love what I'm doing, but now reading a magazine like that or the newest book that's come out has a lot to do with me continuing to do the work that I love because that allows me to assimilate information, pass it on to readers and listeners in a way that I enjoy. 
but it's it's so seamlessly blended with the things that I enjoy anyway, I don't feel like I'm working a lot of hours. Now, if you ask Joanne, my wife, you know how much time I dedicate to things that are work-related, yeah, I spend a lot of time because you know our children are grown. Uh, she knows I enjoy doing what I'm doing. Even the projects I'm doing around our property, though, you know, they're, they're all tied into, you know, releasing creativity and doing things that to help people see things with new eyes. I mean, the old truck, the old 1939 Plymouth pickup truck that I just put in a corner of our property and I'm going to landscape around it. I want that to be a visual image to help people see things that they aren't used to, to remember how we can draw on the wisdom of the past and yet have things in the present and the future that are going to really excite us. I want the blending of the plants that I'm going to have to be a representation of the past, present, and future. Um, so, you know, those kind of things. Those are projects. But now, that's clearly an example where I'm not sure if I'm working or playing. I enjoy doing what I'm doing. Now, the other thing, Christopher, that I want to talk about in terms of you saying that sales doesn't even fit you. I don't know who you had interpret your disc profile, but that just doesn't fit at all. I don't care if you're a high D, I, S, or C. Sales can fit you. And again, you're going to have to recognize sales is a part of what you're going to do or you're dead in the water. Nobody wants you on their team. But here's how that can work, even as an entrepreneurial kind of application. If you're a high D where you're very comfortable, you know, in people's face, nose to nose, belly to belly, you know, ear to ear, whatever, you can go out here and sell water softeners knocking on doors. You can be very successful. So you make your $100,000 doing that because it fits you well. If you aren't, well, let's say that you're a high I. Let me just walk through them quickly. Let's say that you're a high I. So you're very influencing, outgoing, gregarious, social, extroverted. So you may be a representative for Nike shoes. So you're going to go out and you're going to meet with 23 shoe store managers this week. It's the same people you saw last week. The same ones you're going to see next week. You know when they're going on vacation and how big the fish was they caught last year when they were on vacation. You develop relationships with them. You may play golf on Wednesday afternoon with some of those store managers. So your selling is very relationship-oriented. Let's say that you aren't as outgoing. You aren't, you aren't really that people-oriented. You're more process-oriented. You're more systems and analytical-oriented. So you're going to be a sales rep, or MRI machines. Now, certainly you don't go out in a subdivision and knock on doors. You may only have eight prospects in the area that you're going to be working. You're going to be meeting with purchasing agents or chief financial officers. They're not interested in hype and motivation and wow, how, you don't need to wow them. You show them the return on investment, the benefits of having this new MRI machine. They, you may do a thoughtful presentation for them. They take three months and then they make a million dollar decision. That's still selling, but it's based on a very different kind of personality style. Let's say that you're very introverted. You're very shy. And obviously, you know, sales would not fit you. Well, that's not true. If you're very shy and introverted, you can develop systems of selling where you sell online or you have little ads in the back of magazines and people go there and purchase things and you make $100,000 a year, you never see or talk to a customer. It's based on systems and sales copy, effective things that you've learned how to do that a high D or somebody who's very outgoing in personality would not do well at all. So 
So I don't care what your personality style is. You are a candidate for selling. And the more you recognize that and embrace it, the more successful you're going to be, the quicker that path is going to be. Well, I need to move on. But that's a, that's a good representative question. I, I appreciate your question. And there's a whole lot of people listening who are identifying with some of the concepts that you're talking about there. You're not trapped. You're not trapped in doing work that you don't enjoy just because you're used to high income. No. Find that blend, that special convergence of passion, talent, and economic affirmation or a market. Those are the three components. Anybody can do that, and that can lead you into success that other people dream about. Because, frankly, most people are compromising one of those. You know, a lot of people are trying to push something where they're passionate about it. They have a talent. There's no market. You ought to call it a hobby. That's what it is. You know, if you are passionate about something but don't have any talent, that's going to lead to failure. If you are, what am I missing here? If If you have a talent for something and there's a market for it. I mean, I talk to a lot of dentists, attorneys, engineers, and pastors who have proven their talent for something and there's certainly a market for it. They have no passion. Those are the people that burn out. Those are the people that are knocking on my door at 45 years old saying, get me out of this. This is not what I signed up for. All right, let me move on. Shane says, okay, I had a quick question. I heard you talking about someone that does whiteboard cartoon animation on your podcast. I can't find who it was. Please let me know. Thanks so much for changing my life with the work you do. Sure, no problem. It's Eric at The Draw Shop. Now, you go there, you're going to see a lot of real recognized names. Joe Polish and Dan Sullivan and Yannick Silver and a whole lot of people that use Eric to do their whiteboard animations. Now, what that is, and, you know, I I can have a three-minute presentation where Eric goes through very quickly to keep up with what I'm saying, but it does an animation of that. I used an animation that Eric did for Dan Sullivan that explains the 10X factor. I shared that with my mastermind. It was a mind blower and set the stage for this entire year, the 10 X factor. But Eric did that little whiteboard animation. Incidentally, uh, Eric gets $1,500 per finished minute for that. So if it's a three minute whiteboard animation, it's going to be $4,500. Now there's a whole lot of people out there doing that. And certainly you can find others, but Eric is a master at that. I see him at major conferences and he's doing work for some of the big names. Well, hey, let me let me just uh, I'll I'll just hit this here while we're while I'm thinking and looking at the next the next thought here. Just that little reminder that we got there that if you got a question, hey, I'd love to hear from you. I love these real life questions. I mean, this really is the high point of my week to open up that mailbox and see all these amazing questions, real life questions that you struggle with, that I struggle with. You just articulate it better than I in some of these, but we have a chance to go through, unpack them. And look at things that can help us all be more successful. So you can submit a question. Just go to 48days.com. Click on the Ask Dan link. And you'll see that little red starburst open up where you can share your question right there. Incidentally, you know, I don't, I don't do this very often. But, you know, my podcast continues to, to rank extremely high. And I'm very grateful for that. I hear a lot of people, you know, begging you to go to iTunes and leave reviews or Stitcher leave reviews and all that. I don't think I've ever mentioned that, but I, I, I'll have to say I, I do appreciate that. I mean, I really do. I mean, it has a lot to do with, with rankings. 
Um, I've been blessed to have a lot of people do that. So it continues to, to be ranked high. But hey, if you want to leave a word there, encouragement to other people to listen or share it with other people, absolutely. I am very, very appreciative of that. I, I listen to my podcast in Stitcher. I've just got them all loaded in there where they automatically load when they're new ones. I um, love, the, love the system there. So Stitcher is one of the great apps that I use. And that's where I load up my podcast. Now, this comes from Kurt Hudson, Florida, who says, oh, I love this. He says, in your last podcast, you mentioned you were going to do a show on helping children find their creativity. I wanted to let you know about my nine-year-old daughter, Selena Schultz, who is an author and entrepreneur. She has written a book about helping shelter animals and just put a song up on iTunes and Amazon. She donates a portion of the proceeds from the sales of both the local animal organizations, $2,000 so far. I believe Selena's creativity stems in part from her love of reading. My wife is a public school teacher, and she has always said the one thing parents can do to ignite creativity and critical thinking is to ensure reading is an active part of a family's daily routine at home. Do you find that creative people like yourself had a childhood that put a focus on reading? And did you do that as a parent? Wow. First and foremost, Kirk, congratulations on how you are instilling this creativity and providing a release, an expression of that in your daughter, Selena. Nine years old, she's an author, an entrepreneur. Over $2,000, you know, proceeds from the sales of her book, and song on iTunes and Amazon. What a cool deal. I love those kind of stories. One of the things that we ought to do a theme of is just uh, teenager or younger entrepreneurs. My gosh, I got a slew of grandkids I could have on here with the things that they're doing. I mean, we, we expose them to all kinds of ideas. They've got some really cool things in the works. But this is a great example. Now, do I find that creative people had a childhood that put a focus on reading? And did I as a parent? Oh, Yes. Now, I grew up in a home. I mean, I attribute a whole lot of my success to reading. I grew up in a home where we did not have TV or radio. Now, we were poor farmers, but part of that had to do with the fact that we came from Amish background as well. So TV was a big, big taboo. You would never have that idolatrous thing in your house. So for we, did, we did not have that. We didn't have a radio in the house as well. We had a radio ultimately in the barn because my dad wanted to listen to weather reports because we were farmers. So he justified it because of that. But anyway, in the house, what are we going to do for entertainment? I was an early, early reader. And I was a voracious reader. Always have been. I mean, last year I read 74 books. I know that's probably more than most of you think about. But I love reading. And yes, that has opened the door to a whole lot of creativity. Did we do that with our children? Absolutely. Now, there were years. Now, we, we had a TV that was in a closet, and when we wanted to put in a movie, we would bring it out. But our children never grew up with just open access to TV, where they would just sit there and spend hours. And my grandchildren don't either. None of my grandchildren are being raised in homes with cable access or dish access or anything at all. None. Now, you may think, wow, that's kind of odd in this kind of environment. Well, it's odd, and that's why they're all readers and entrepreneurs, just like Selena. Yes, absolutely. I think it is amazingly important. Hey, Kirk, I'm going to send you a copy of Wisdom Meets Passion. That 
is a story that, that well, it's not a story. It's, it's a book like I write on how to find your wisdom and passion, but I wrote it with my son, Jared. Now, Jared, interestingly enough, is not a good reader, never was. Very dyslexic, ADHD. Reading is very difficult for him. So he's not a reader. So we helped him learn in ways that were appropriate for him. So a lot of that was audio learning, experiential learning, and he still learns in that way. And we wrote that book together to give you a lot of insight how even in having a child that wasn't a great reader, uh, became a great writer, incidentally. I love what he's written in there. But I'll send you a copy of Wisdom Meets Passion. I'm sure you'll enjoy that as you continue to foster the the reading, literary expertise, and creativity in your own children. Phil says, I'm trying to start an audit and risk consulting firm geared toward financial institutions. However, I'm currently employed by a financial institution. I'm trying to phase out of my job over the next one to two years while I pay off some debt. I want to use the next one to two years to market and build relationships with potential clients for my business and maybe do a free, a few freelance projects on the side. My question, should I tell my employer what I'm trying to do? I really like my job. Don't want to put it in jeopardy. All my business pursuits would be off company time. Thanks, Phil. Phil, absolutely not. Don't tell your company what you're doing. That would definitely put your job in jeopardy. Now, here's the deal. Even though you're doing great work there, and I assume that you are, telling them that you've got a two-year plan to phase out, to pay off some debt, move out on your own, start building your business on the side, makes you, in essence, a lame duck employee. I mean, think about it. We right now have a lame duck president, meaning that he can't be reelected. We know his time in office is going to end. Don't put yourself in that position. Because they're going to view you differently. I mean, it could, it could easily, it could also be you tell them you're phasing out, you're going to start your business on your own. They'll say, well, hey, if you aren't fully committed here, just go ahead and clean your desk out. We don't need you here anymore. I've seen that happen a whole bunch of times. I mean, you don't want to put your job in jeopardy, and there's no reason to. This is not a matter of being deceitful, but just go quietly about building your plan, the relationships those freelance jobs that you're going to do on the side. So tell your company what you're doing only when you have a clear and short timetable for leaving. And I would suggest no more than 90 days out. When you're within 90 days of leaving totally, sure, share with them. Be gracious about helping to find and train a replacement for you. But don't rock the boat one to two years out. Not at all. Don't do that. Mark says, can I be a caffeine coach? He says, laughing out loud. I just got an offer through coachme.com to work with a coach to get me off caffeine. Caffeine coach? Can one actually make money doing that? I've gotten off caffeine more than once. I've consciously chosen to stay on it, but I quit. Does that qualify me to be a caffeine coach? I guess I could also be an alcohol coach. In AA, we call that a sponsor. A cigarette coach and a rubbing tobacco coach. Dan, you're only 10 years older than I am, so I value your opinion. But is the world going coach crazy? I think coaching is great for many, many things. But caffeine, thanks. Keep up the fantastic podcast. Much easier to say than internet radio. All right. Call it what you want. All right. Here's here's the deal, Mark. Yeah, you can be a caffeine coach. I mean, with the current budge about coaching and about caffeine, yeah, you can easily position yourself as a caffeine coach. 
I mean, we have people who I'm working with the gal right now who's a creativity coach. We just kind of decided that best described what she wanted to do. Um, I've worked at the gardening coach, diabetes coach. Uh, we are right on top of our Coaching with Excellence event. You've heard me talk about that. It's sold out totally, way more than we should have in there, but we're going to have a lot of fun. What that means is instead of having tables that everybody sits at, no tables. We only have chairs. We're doing it right here at the sanctuary. So we have just chairs, but we have a lot of fun. People rubbing shoulders, getting to know new people. But incidentally, the last one we're going to have this year will be September 3rd and 4th. And that's already about a third filled up. I just looked last night because we had a lot of people that wanted to get into this one that we're having here in May. We're not able to get in. So they're already registered for the one in September. So if you're thinking about being a coach, Join us in September. Love to talk to you about that. But in looking at this group that's coming in right now, this week as I speak here, we've got pastors, teachers, a fireman, several stay-at-home moms who want to make money, a doctor, a couple of retired executives. I mean, one of our um, recent ones, we had a construction worker. Now, you know, he, he was a home builder, so he wasn't just somebody pounding nails. I mean, he, he knew what he was doing, but that's what he was doing. He quit that entirely came to our coaching with excellence event positioned himself as a coach last may may of 2014 just did what we laid out in november he generated thirty four thousand five hundred dollars as a coach now he's very open about that i can direct you to him you can talk to him if you want to but that's those are the kind of examples people coming in with varied backgrounds that do make them candidates for a coach and you can position yourself pretty much as any kind of coach, coach that you want to in today's environment. So if you want to be a caffeine coach, my gosh, there's no lack of prospects for that. I think that'd be a cool thing to do. Absolutely. Danny from uh, London, England says, Dan, I'm a 47-year-old full-time firefighter. Wow, here's another firefighter who constantly seems to be uh, seeking a new direction and clarity in the workplace without attaining it. I'm an SI on the disk profile system. Find it very frustrating not being able to make decisive decisions. How do I break through this barrier? I crave adventure, freedom. But I need to acquire a whole new skill set. This is a mental barrier that ties me in knots at times. Fresh perspective would be most welcome. Well, Danny, I, I congratulate you on, on knowing your personality profile looking at that and what the, the way that has value is to help us understand our natural tendencies and I'm working with a lady right now who's an attorney she's very high c which means she's very analytical it gathers a lot of facts and information about before making a decision you're not a risk taker she tends to see the fatal flaw she'll figure out why something won't work before we ever get started well those are wonderful assets as an attorney but those are killers to most things that are truly entrepreneurial. So we're working through that. How can she get past those things? How can she position herself in a business that's going to fit what she knows about herself? But with what you're describing, you find it hard to make decisions. Give yourself timelines. If you know that your natural tendency is to be indecisive, it's to procrastinate, it's to take too much time to make a decision, give yourself deadlines. Now, in 48 Days to the Work You Love, I lay out a process that Joanne and I have used for many, many years now, and that's two weeks to make any decision. Two weeks is what I consider more than adequate time to assess where you are, 
get the advice and opinion of other people, research, look at all the options, narrow down to four or five best choices, do the research to get more information on those four or five, choose the best one and act. Now that's a process that you can do in two weeks. And I don't care if it's buying a house, buying a car, deciding where to go to church, where to send your kid to school. To me, that's very comfortable. That was a compromise for Joanne and me because Joanne would take six months to make even a simple decision, you know, given the luxury of doing that. I tend to make it instantly and sometimes need to look back and regret those. Two weeks was a compromise that we both agreed on. We're both very comfortable with that. And we've used that all through the life of our marriage, years and years where we take two weeks, we go through that process. So if you know that you tend to be indecisive, just put a timeline on it where you say, okay, I know that my tendency is to be indecisive. I'm going to put a timeline on it. Boom. I'm going to make the decision. All right. Um, Let me just, uh, well, we're almost out of time. Let me grab one more here. All right. This comes from Hal. In your book, you mentioned sending an introduction letter followed by the resume about a week later for the intro letter. Are you implying that these go via snail mail or via email? Also, do you have any samples of intro letters? Yes, I am implying that they go via snail mail. Don't send an introduction letter to somebody who's never heard of you via email. I don't care if you can get their email. Yeah, those are easy to come up with or figure out or guess at but they're still going to be seen as invasive if that's your first encounter. You still It's much more professional to still do it via snail mail. Now, if you're looking for a job at Taco Bell or Burger King, you don't go through this process. You walk in the front door, talk to the manager, and start working that afternoon. But if you're looking for a job that's going to be $60,000, $70,000, sure, go through the process. Introduction letter, then a cover letter and resume, then a follow-up call after that a three-step process i lay out very clearly in the 48-day sequence process but that introduction letter yep needs to go via snail mail and then you say do i have any samples of intro letters yeah absolutely sure do any of you can go get these now the worksheets correspond they embrace the material in the 48 days book but if you go to 48days.com slash worksheets you go right into all the back-end material that i provide with the new 10th anniversary edition 48 days we're adding to that all the time but there are examples in there of well-crafted resumes and introduction letters that you can pull out well hey we're going to condense again thanks for your questions keep them coming Uh, don't feel bad if i don't get to it hopefully the questions i select are representative of situations that you're dealing with as well but think about that come as you will be party you think that's fun let me know. We may structure something to have a come as you will be five years from now. This would be a, a great time to do that. This is 2015. Come as you will be in 2020. That'd be a great party to have. Hey, check out the Escaping Shawshank piece. A lot of you have asked about what I talked about last week, where we're going to be giving away the Eagle replica to three people, giving you a chance to share your story on stage. Go to escapingshawshank.com slash eagle, and you'll get that information. Shoot me your question. Let me know how I can help you be the person you want to be this time next year. Not even five years from now. The person you want to be this time next year. Well, there you go. We're going to bring this up. Close out with this wonderful song. 
48 Days kind of theme song at this point. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to start moving toward the person you want to be next year and beyond. This work is just so tough, I need to get away. The clock is ticking, so don't delay. It's gonna take your whole heart. It's gonna take all you've got. Sorry.